Well, I'm delighted to bring God's word before you once again. I just want to take a couple moments to embarrass a couple of my guests that have joined us in worship today. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Chelsea Francis, for joining us in worship today. Pastor Mark and Chelsea have had a lot of ministry that they've been involved in in Chillicothe. As they had a great youth ministry at the Wesleyan Church here in town. Long term there, as well as Open Door Ministries, where they had a great youth ministry there as well. And they showed up my junior year of high school in the summer, right before we started school at this time of the year. They touched my life. I was a student under them for two years, graduated high school. They were very instrumental in my decision to go to Circleville Bible College and pursue ministry and be a pastor. And so I am so thankful for them. They also planted a vineyard church here in Chillicothe and in recent years they've moved back from Cincinnati and been talking to Pastor Mark about some ministry here in town, and I'm excited to see what the Lord will do in their ministry. Coach Steve Pritchett, he was the leading scorer at Circleville Bible College in basketball for 20 years. My sophomore year of college, he was our coach in basketball. We had a great, great time. Truly is a player's coach, and every last one of the players loved him so much. I mean, we, we didn't always win, but we laughed and we had a good time. Never did, will forget that year. In the middle of that year, the guy sitting next to him, James Turner, one of my best friends, showed up in an open gym to play basketball with us. He's become one of my best friends, and I'm thankful that he lives in Ross County and teaching at my alma mater, Zane Trace. So, so thankful for them, and I'm thankful for my parents that have joined us in worship once again. So, despite everything I put them through, they still came to watch me preach once again. (laughs) So, thank you all. You are our guest today, and we are delighted that you've joined us here in worship. This service would not be the same without you. And, you know, there is such a vibrant spirit here because of our guests and people that come to worship with us. So thank you all so much for coming. Today's message, we look at commandment number six. Thou shalt not murder You may be surprised how applicable this commandment will be to each and every one of us. This commandment is mainly referenced in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Reads in four simple words from the King James, Thou shalt not kill. 
Time and time again we see in Scripture murder taking place. I think about the time where Moses looked on both sides of him and then killed an Egyptian and then buried him in the sand to cover what, up what had happened. King David made sure to have Uriah the Hittite, Hittite on the front line of the battle to make sure he was killed to try to cover up the adultery he had committed with Bathsheba. Just as much a form of murder as anything, thankfully King David came to the place of repentance. Saul gave full consent to the stoning of Stephen. Those that were throwing stones at Stephen laid their clothes at Saul's feet as he gave his full approval to Stephen, a strong believer in Christ, being stoned to death. Moses, King David, Saul, every one of them got caught by man. Man saw what they did. For King David, the prophet Nathan challenged him on the sin which he had committed. God spoke to him, though he thought he had gotten away with what he had done. But when it comes to murder or any other sin that we commit in this life, we never get away with it. And whether man catches us or not, God catches us every time. Not one of us have ever committed a sin that God Almighty did not see. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 21 says, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines his path. Everything that we think and say and do, everything of it, everything is in full view of God Almighty. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13, the Hebrew writer writes, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of to Him we must give an account. Everything. Everything we do is in full view of the Lord. Seen by God Almighty. The main passage of Scripture will be found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I believe this passage of Scripture will be on the projectors. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain. 
and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So here we see this passage of Scripture. Initially, Adam and Eve were blessed with two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel brought forth a great sacrifice unto the Lord, and the Lord was well pleased with Abel's sacrifice. Meanwhile, Cain's sacrifice unto the Lord was not pleasing to him. That made Cain really angry. Cain became very angry, and the Lord warned him, Sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. You know what? I believe that the same God that speaks to Cain speaks to each and every one of us, and I believe that each and every one of us will face temptations, whether it be to hurt someone, to murder someone, or to commit any other kind of sin. You know what? Sin is crouching at our door, church, and we must master it as believers in Christ. So the Lord warns Cain. Cain did not heed the Lord's warning, and he killed his brother Abel in the field. And why I pick this as a main text and why I see so much significance with this passage is because this was the first murder that ever took place. Up until this point, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they don't know what murder is. 
this point in history, it has not taken place. But we see then in history, though, it didn't take very long for this to happen. The third person ever created by God killed the fourth person created by God. We're only in the fourth chapter of the Bible and already we've seen murder. God asked Cain, where is your brother? Cain had a really negative response for God. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, when God challenges us, when he speaks to us, we need to respond appropriately. God put a curse on Cain that day. He would no longer be successful in harvesting the ground. He would be forever labeled as a criminal or a fugitive. As a vagabond, he would be unsuccessful in earning a living. And he would be totally dependent on society to take care of him. He'd be a drifting wanderer. Not having a job, proper income, all those things. These are the things that Cain had to deal with the rest of his life. Cain said that his punishment was greater than he could bear. You know, at this point, I'm thinking Cain's not even thinking about what he just put his parents through, Adam and Eve. He's not thinking about the fact that he has indeed destroyed the life of Abel and forever destroyed the plan that God had for Abel's life. Cain becomes very fearful for his life, thinking that he'd reap what he would sow as he roams around. God does give him peace and assurance that if anybody kills him, they would receive the just punishment seven times what they place upon Cain. Cain departed from the presence of the Lord and went to dwell in the land of Nod. So here we see the first murder ever take place in history. And unfortunately, history has repeated itself for thousands of years now. In the country in which we live, 2019, 16,425 murders, homicides, was recorded in this country. And you know there's more. Missing persons... Different things taking place. But over 16,000 recorded in 2019. I haven't seen the reports on 2020. They may still be counting. Murder taking place throughout our culture. And some may feel like this isn't very applicable for me. 
But hold on a minute. Let's look at Jesus' words found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. He's in the early part of his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Jesus speaks about this commandment. Again, we see he's referencing Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Jesus is saying, you know what, there's more to this. There's more to this commandment. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But Jesus says to his people, If anyone is angry with his brother without a cause, he shall be in danger of judgment. I want to make it clear, just because we get mad at someone does not mean that we're right. That we're in the right. And Jesus is speaking then about those who have been angry with their brothers and sisters in Christ without a cause. Unjust anger. They will be accountable and judged by God Almighty. Then Jesus goes on to speak about those that say Raka. It's an Aramaic word. You say racket to someone, you're basically calling them worthless, stupid, or empty-headed. If you say that to someone today in our culture, you probably won't be penalized as far as in the government's eyes. But in Jesus' day, those that said racket to other people, had to stand before the Sanhedrin and give an account and be punished for their actions. And then Jesus speaks very negatively about calling someone a fool, even to the fact of saying that they could be in danger of hell fire. I think that should cause all of us to take a look at what we're really saying. In Psalms chapter 14, verse 1, the cross-reference, the psalmist writer writes, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So the Bible speaks the word fool as a very derogatory term, even used for atheists. 
And so Jesus is addressing this. You say these things to people, you react to these people in these ways, you could cause a person to be filled with extreme anger enough to hurt someone or even kill someone. And Jesus is speaking when you call someone a fool in anger, you're responding with unrighteous anger. Jesus doesn't call us to call anybody a fool. He calls us to love people, pray for them. So Jesus is addressing unjust anger, calling someone stupid or empty-headed, ignorant, or a fool, idiot, whatever it may be. Jesus is responding, saying, you know what, you could be provoking people to anger even to the point of them wanting to kill you. Don't do these things. God will place judgment upon those who do such. And again, some people may still think, well, I watch what I say. This message doesn't have a whole lot that pertains to me. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. First John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So one can confess to be a Christian all they want. They can love God, serve people. But Jesus is, I'm sorry, we see in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, that if we have hatred towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, we've murdered them. Plain and simple. Don't hate people. Love them. Follow the teachings of Christ. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hurt you, despitefully use you, and say negative things about you. Love them. Next, I confess the next part of this message will be the hardest. I will speak with the love of Christ now at this time about abortion. We must protect the unborn. If there's anybody here who's had an abortion, or anybody online watching this video that has an abortion, there's four things that I believe the Lord laid upon my heart to say to you. Number one, I don't condemn you. I know that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Whether they've terminated a pregnancy or whatever the case may be, we're not to condemn others. Number two, 
Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. Number three, you can be forgiven and you are forgiven if you've asked for God's forgiveness. And number four, I believe that your unborn child and every unborn child is in heaven this very day. We're to love those who have terminated their pregnancies. Condemn, not condemn them. This life is tough. There are some hard situations in this life that people face. God's word has made it clear. He formed us in our mother's womb. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And I believe if as God Almighty knew the prophet Jeremiah before he was in his mother's womb, I believe that he knew each and every one of us before we were in our mother's womb. Having a plan for each and every one of our lives. I believe that the Lord formed each one of us in our mother's womb and he knew all about us before we were even born. The psalmist writer also writes about this and backs up these points as well. As Psalms 139 verses 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I believe the Lord created each and every one of us, forming us in our mother's womb. It's not just genetics, biology, natural reproduction. No, I believe God Almighty created each and every one of us in our mother's womb. So next I want to talk about J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins' mother became pregnant at age 18. Kind of young. His mother, Maya, talked to her doctor about ending her pregnancy. And the projector shows very much so who J.K. Dobbins is. As one of the greatest running backs of all time at Ohio State. The four leading rushers at Ohio State include 
Archie Griffin with 5,589 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 4,459 yards. Ezekiel Elliott with 3,961 yards. And Eddie George with 3,768 yards. Times were tough for Maya, his mom, when she was 18 and pregnant with this man. She reconsidered her decision to abort her son, J.K. Dobbins. She earned a finance degree to help provide for him. She ended up calling old J.K. her miracle child. And with J.K. Dobbins, I find it very significant with him being about 1,100 yards behind the all-time leading rusher at Ohio State, Archie Griffin. J.K. didn't even play his senior year. He was that good that he decided not to play his senior year. And now you know him as J.K. Dobbins, the professional running back for the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins earns a salary of $1.7 million a year. And you know there's all kinds of signing bonuses and endorsements and all those things, so it's way higher than that. I believe this. Mom Maya made a very, very tough decision. I believe she made the right decision. No matter how old or how young a person is that gets pregnant, and no matter how difficult life is for the lady who's pregnant, her and her significant other, I believe that God Almighty can intervene. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was birthed by His mother Mary believed to be a teenager, very young. Sarah gave birth to Isaac at age 90, and her husband Abraham was a hundred. Can you even imagine? God Almighty helped that couple raise their child. And this life is tough. I know, I know it's a lot easier to stand up here and talk about these things than go through with them. We got to encourage everyone when they get in tough situations, when they have unplanned pregnancies, children out of wedlock, financial difficulties, whatever the situation may be, we need to uplift people in their time of need. I want to give you five reasons I believe that taking someone else's life is not murder. 
Number one, serving in the military, protecting our country. I believe that's not murder. Number two, serving correctly in law enforcement. I know that's been controversial, but I still believe that there is great men and women officers upholding the law. And unfortunately, times come where they actually have to take someone's life. But if it's done correctly, adequately, I believe that's not murder. Capital punishment, some may disagree, some may feel differently, but again, it's a person doing their civic duty at that point. Capital punishment, I believe, to not be murdered. So that's point three. Point four, extreme measures of self-defense. Someone's trying to take your life Unfortunately, sometimes it comes to that, taking someone's life to protect your own. Number five, protecting the lives of the innocent who are in danger. There's times, I believe, where taking a person's life is justified and it's not murdered. So now I want to bring four points before you. about people being murdered. Number one, once someone is murdered, that individual can never, ever be replaced. When we take someone's life, somebody's life is taken, it is gone forever. That person being six feet under will not return. Adam and Eve received Seth in the place of Abel, but they never, ever got Abel back. His personality, what he was like, who he was, never, ever be replaced by Seth. Point number two I want to make. God hates the senseless acts of violence and the shedding of innocent blood. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17, part C, third part of that verse. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. It's an abomination to him. My third point We must take no part in the act of murdering someone. Whether it be provoking someone to anger, having hatred towards our brothers or sisters in Christ, or committing the actual violence. As Christians, we can't take any part in it. My fourth point. 
Christ allowed himself to be murdered so that we could be redeemed. He was completely innocent yet put to death for wrongdoing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Regardless of what the government said about him, no matter what the people were chanting about him, God knew that that was indeed his innocent, beloved child who went to the cross for you and I, willingly allowing people to take his life. I know we're all a part of that. I know he died on the cross for each and every one of our sins. But as believers, we need to come to the place where we don't partake of that anymore. And live our lives free from sin. In closing, I want to reflect upon a time when I was a child. One day I was watching the prayer channel. Pastor was preaching. And a man had just been released from mur- for murder. He didn't even wait till the pastor was done with his sermon, walked down the aisle, went straight to the minister, and gave his life to Christ. That is the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even all the years that have went by, That image never leaves my head of God's grace, His love, and His forgiveness. Whether a person has committed murder or whatever the case may be, Jesus died on the cross on Calvary to save everybody. Whether it's murder or another sin, We can forgive others, certainly we can be forgiven. 